hello, hello, and welcome to the Burrito Kind of Guy podcast episode number 13. My guest this week is Micah Schnabel. Micah uh, plays in a band called Two Cow Garage, but he's also a singer-songwriter who has a solo project. His album, The Teenage Years of the 21st Century, um, came out a couple of years ago now, I think in 2020 or 2019, and is an amazing album. If you don't know about this yet, please check it out. By the way, I don't say this uh, as much as I should, but thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Uh, there's uh, about 100 people listening to this every week, so that's very cool. That's more than what I expected when I first started this podcast, so thank you. And please, 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 please send me a message on Instagram or on Facebook. On Instagram, it's Burrito Kind of Guy. On Facebook, you'll find me under my real name, Guillaume. Uh, please send me messages if you like it, if you don't like it, what would you change, um, which guests you would like me to have, and, uh, and all of that. I'm, I'm open to suggestions. Uh, the first season of this podcast will soon end in a few more episodes, so I will take a little break after that to uh, just focus on other stuff, and I might be back in a year approximately, but that's why I'm open to suggestions. I'm, I'm ready to evolve into something new. Again, this week we don't have sponsors, uh, so I'm going to shamelessly plug my own band, Lost Love. Lost Love is releasing a new album called Empathy in exactly 11 days. Empathy is the fourth LP, it's the fourth album, full-length album of Lost Love. Uh, it's very, it's it's a very catchy album. So if if you uh, if you haven't, but my big guess is that if you're listening to this, you already know about Lost Love, and you already heard the songs. But if you have not, please uh, go on our Bandcamp, lostlove.bandcamp.com, and listen to the three, uh, the first three singles of this new album. And uh, if you like it, maybe pre-order it. Pre-order it. Uh, we made, uh, we have. Um, golden uh, vinyls, very limited edition. We only make a hundred of these, and uh, it's a good gift. Um, you need to prepare yourself for Christmas, right? It's it's in like a couple of months. You need to buy this to your mom, or 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 I don't know, something like that. Your niece, uh, she she probably won't understand why you give them a record of lost love, but they will appreciate the color of the record, and they will hang it on their wall, and they will think it's beautiful. So yeah, I hope you enjoy this podcast, have a great week, and I'll see you next week! Where were you born, and when were you born? I was born in May 1980, of 1982. Um, I, was born, I was born in a Galleon Hospital in Galleon, Ohio, but I, it was like eight miles away from the town that I grew up in, um, called Bucyrus, Ohio. Okay, what was it like to grow up there in the, in the 80s? Um, it was really hard. <laughs> for me personally it was it's a manufacturing town uh out in rural ohio so there you're pretty far away from from many cities uh so the town is surrounded by cornfields and soybean fields and it's just kind of in the middle of that and uh also all the work was manufacturing factories so um yeah every, everybody yeah what were your parents doing there uh I, they grew up there so okay, okay. they you know so they grew up there and they were still there um so yeah they had kids and worked in factories um and that was kind of that was the scene there you know and all the the kind of uh cartoony character character that you get of americans you know the kind of the big trucks mm -hmm. kind of hillbilly idea um And small town idea like that's that's what i grew up in in the 80s i think it was still kind of coming on through a boom so people it was going okay and then as it got into the 90s um everything shut down or you know everything pretty much started shutting down so it, it started collapsing on itself the schools fell apart um or yeah had already fallen apart and uh there you know nobody was wanting to give any money to help them so everything was It was, it's almost like the division was starting to happen or had happened already. Um, so being somebody that was interested in not uh, 
things outside of football and yeah. punching punching people. Um, it was a tough place to go. Wow. <laughs> so I can already kind of see <laughs> why you started playing music in that context. But when did you start playing music? <laughs> yeah. Um. So I was I started playing drums when I was 12 or 13 um, and I wasn't even into music. The, uh, there was there were two guys that had a band and they had just heard that I had that I had drums. So they asked me to play drums. So I learned how to play drums so that I could be in that band. And uh, I played dr drums for like a year, year and a half before I uh, I fell in love with the guitar. My dad played guitar. So there was always oh, cool. a guitar. Around. So um I guess too much ego for the drums. I wanted to be out front. So I, I taught myself to play guitar and uh, yeah. Yeah. So you were self-taught. How, how old were you when you started playing guitar? Well, I will say, so my dad did play. I was, I think I was 14 and my dad showed me three chords, the first three chords. And then like, I fell in love with guitar and he had a weird relationship with music. He loved it, but kind of hated it because he, had to work at the factory to raise kids and all that stuff. Um, so he refused to show me any more. He wouldn't show me any more chords. He just told me that the guitar would ruin my life. Um, <laughs> so so I had from there on out, after those first three or four chords, I was self-taught. Awesome. Wow. Yeah, I bet it's uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's kind of a bittersweet thing when you're like, oh, I'm forced to work in a factory to make a living for my family and uh, kind of my, my dad used to be in a band from like six for maybe 16 years old to 28 till he met my mother and then they, they started a family and then he stopped playing music uh, but yeah it was always like there was always some bass or some guitars at home and yeah. it was always around me when I was a kid so that's that's a little bit why I fell into music yeah but, uh, it, it And, and I, as I get older, I realize what a luxury it is, mm -hmm. luxury it was and is to have have an instrument around the house, you know, just yeah. just growing up with it being normal. And it's interesting with the, the that generation. And in the past, it was like you had to choose one or the other. You could go and work and do the work and work in a factory and everything, or you could play guitar. You know, it was like now, like most folks have jobs and play music, you know? Yeah, yeah. But back then it was this like hard thing. Like you could, you know, you just had to shut that part of you off and everything. And I think a lot of people end up resentful because of that, which I totally understand. Yeah. But it was unnecessary, I think. And and when you were a teenager, uh, teenager and you started your, your first bands, was it like punk bands? What, what kind of music were you listening to? Um, I was still listening to hip hop, um, but I started the next band that I started playing drums in was a cover band and it was all uh, classic rock cover bands, uh, you know, Pink Floyd, Led Zeppelin, Neil Young kind of stuff. And um, which probably which works really, really well in, in that kind of situation, like in those kind of small towns. It like... did that band, that band made more money than I probably made up to this date because <laughs> we could, you know, you could play any bar anywhere and they would pay yeah. you, especially it was like, we were the young kids So there was like a novelty quality to it that we would come mm -hmm. in there and play all the old classic rock songs everybody wanted to hear. Um, but that got, I did that for like a year and a half or so. And, and I just, I couldn't play cover songs anymore. And a lot of that music got poisoned in my head for a long time because I didn't <laughs> want to, I, yeah, I didn't want to play, you know, Pink Floyd again or whatever. Yeah. But, um, I, I kind of understand yeah. uh, like, When you're when you're younger and you start playing music that you uh, you kind of go with the covers and you you learn cover songs but here in quebec there's this weird thing where there's a lot of cover bands that get, that play they play in bars and in venues and they get real like they get a lot of money for it like it's worth a lot of money yeah. like a show of like a slipknot like cover band and it's like yeah, <laughs> yeah. you have to pay two grand if for you're that. willing to feed somebody something they already know like yeah there's it's, tons it's, of money to be made in that It's, it's crazy because to me, it's like, it's not that hard to learn like songs from other people. <laughs> yeah, and it's right? much harder to write your own songs, but I don't know. <laughs> it's just, I just find it more interesting to try to make something of your own than to recreate something that's yeah. already happened. Uh, maybe human beings like, um, they're too nostalgic right now. Like we're like, we like to think <laughs> yeah. about like, the, that's why people like to go to cover, cover bands shows. And they're like, oh yeah, I know this song. We always tend to go towards the familiar as humans, I yeah. think, but especially yeah, at certain ages, we kind of stop finding new and 
start mm-hmm. retreating back to the stuff that was on the radio when we were young. Yeah. Do you do you remember the first song you have learned on guitar, like the first cover? Uh, Wish You Were Here by oh, Pink really? Floyd. That was the song that I like. I took it on and I played it 10,000 times and I taught myself to sing as best I could with that song. I just played it over and over and over and over again until my voice didn't sound uh, terrible to my, I probably just wore myself down, but my voice didn't sound terrible to my ears anymore. I could tell that I was kind of in tune, but so many times wish you were here so many so, times. So could you, could you play it? Like if you took a guitar now, you, you still know it, right? It's in my bones. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like a chicken flaps around after you chop its head off. I think you could chop my head off. And my hands could still play wish you were here. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, what was the what was the first uh, show that you have played? That do you remember the first show? Uh, yeah, the first show I played was, and this is kind of in the punk rock style, but in small town Ohio, we rented out the VFW hall, um, like, like you that. do when you're a kid. Uh, so we yep. have in here here in the states, we have uh, the VFW. It's Veterans of Foreign Wars, and oh, okay. a lot of, but a lot of the. Um, punk shows and stuff kids starting out because you can usually rent the halls for like 50 bucks or something yeah, it's, like that it's like a it's like a legion hall or something like that right that's exactly exactly so yeah, yeah shows of all kinds happen there and i think we rented it for like 50 bucks and uh did our first show there cool and well, how was it <laughs> um you know it's hard to tell i'm sure we were terrible but it was a lot of, but it felt really good at the time you know so yeah it was good enough that i was hooked Okay, and you started to Kyle Garage in 2002, right? Uh, 2001. First record came out in 2002. Okay, 2001. Yeah. We just had a 20-year anniversary. Oh, wow. How, how yeah. does it feel? Um, you know, it's interesting because you still, you know, life just kind of happens in a flash. But um, I don't know. I'm proud of it. I'm proud of us for sticking through because it's not like we've been super successful or anything. So, um we've stuck it out for the love of it, you know? Yeah. I, I, I just, when I did my research for this podcast, I noticed that you had a documentary about like a year, like a year in the life of yeah, uh, yeah. To, to Cow Garage. And I was like, shit, yeah. I need to see that. That look, it looks oh, interesting. Man, it's rough. <laughs> yeah, I just saw, I, yeah. I just saw the trailer and I was like, wow, that's the kind <laughs> of like, I'm 10 years younger than you. And that's the kind of thing that like, if I saw that when it came out, so like in 2000 and what, three four i don't know yeah right around there I, recording I was, of the second record yeah i was like 12 years old back then so it's <laughs> it's the kind of thing that like if i would have watched this i would have been like uh it would have been another argument for me to start playing music because it's like uh, <laughs> I, i remember when i was when i was like a teenager i watched um against me's documentary and oh think, yeah yeah uh, we're never going home and i and i've watched um the saint catherine's documentaries where they're they're on the road and they're just like it's just just shows like how uh not it's not like the thing the the cliches that you have in mind that like oh yeah you're playing in front of a lot of people right. and then like and then and then you you go to a hotel and then you party and it's like yeah the party is there yeah. but like you <laughs> you play a monday night in uh <laughs> i don't know in lincoln nebraska yeah, it's in, like it's a monday in night yeah. Yeah. uh-huh yeah Yeah, no taking nights off. <laughs> you just end up playing oh, for no. two people. And <laughs> uh, I, I know to Kyle Garage because of um, Hugo Muti, who, um, who, well, now I work with him with Puza, but uh, I remember I think he booked you at the first Puza. Did you play at the first one? Um, I don't. I don't think we were at the first one. I think maybe like number two. That would maybe. make sense. Yeah, I know it was early on. But uh, I don't think we got there at number one because I think it was pretty, it was established before we, we got there. Okay. But yeah, Hugo had us up because we were all on uh, Suburban Home Records together yeah. out in Colorado. Yeah, with Yesterday's Ring, you were on, on that label too, I yeah. think. Mm-hmm. Yes, I, yes. So I remember um, listening to Sweet Saint Me when, when you came and played um, Puza because I think that was the album that was out uh, at, that, at that moment. Yeah. And uh, before this um, this conversation we're having now, I, I checked out the other albums of Two Car Garage because I never did before. 
and right. I listened to the first one and I was kind of surprised because I was uh, expecting something much shittier than that. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay, cool. I can kind of hear the influences here and there. But what, yeah. what were you going for back then? Like, what were you influenced by? Um, what were your influences when you started? So my, uh, you know, you're young and angry and everything. I had that, but like my dad was a John Prine and Bob Dylan guy. So that's what was in the house. And there was an acoustic guitar in the house and I learned how to play guitar on an acoustic guitar. Um, so you can definitely hear that, you know, in my guitar playing to this day that I, even my, just my sensibilities kind of lend move towards the folk, um, air just sounds folky my right hand sounds folky and there's nothing i can do about it even on an electric guitar um so i think with the first record like i was really into pedal steel and um uh, i wouldn't say country music but folk music i guess so in my head i wanted to be like a loud folk band you know play folks like john prine songs but like loud and fast um i know like that gets called like a lot of weird names, but um, yeah, what's the, there's the one I'm looking for. I can't think of it, but uh, yeah, that can fall into a lot of bad places, but in my head, that's kind of what it was. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, so I guess it was folk punk, but it was more, yeah, I guess it was, but I came from the countryside. I came in from the, you know, Americana side where most people come in from the punk rock side. I was the other way around. Yeah. Cool. I got angrier as I got older. <laughs> oh yeah, were, you you were not angry when you were like a um, teenager or like early uh, earlier. I've just always been angry. <laughs> Maybe. Uh. <laughs> nice. Uh, I've I've seen on on your Wikipedia page. There's a, it mentions that you did two Indiegogo campaigns, like one of them for an album, another and another one like soon after for a van that broke down yeah um, i was wondering yeah. how how was that to to make like two indiegogo two fun uh uh two things like that like uh close together because i don't know in the like was it a year apart or how did you feel about that it was it was it wasn't too far apart uh it was terrible um you know like especially in those times it was early and just starting i guess there was it was different then but um you know we did the one for the record, which it was just the only way that we could figure out how to make a record. And then, and then the van broke down and we don't have, uh, none of us, Shane, neither Shane or I, who started two cow together. Like most people have financial resources, mm-hmm. AKA parents that have money. Um, we don't have that. So, uh, we didn't have much of a choice, you know, it was, uh, we could like, try yeah we could try to do it for, to, to get the van and the people that listen to us know us uh we're not we weren't asking for some exorbitant amount of money or trying yeah. to like get over on somebody you know what i mean like we unfortunately had to do the indiegogo for the van for the record and then the van uh our i hate saying we're fans but like fans and friends gave us that money we bought a van and kept driving on tour and they knew that and they were okay with that because they know where the money's going and they know what we do and who we are. And, you know, it's not like anybody in the band made any money off of it. We all, the money went into making more music and and touring. Yeah. Cause that's what, um, that's, that's what I was wondering. Like even when you were on suburban home records, they were not giving you money to record an album, right? Or did they? No. Okay. (laughs) It was not that. Um, okay. <laughs> you, never, you never know. Sometimes uh, it gets to, to me, Suburban Home, because there was yesterday's ring on it and I'm from Montreal. I thought, oh, maybe they were like some somewhat bigger than what I think they are. But there, I think there was much, there was, I think there was $2,000 once um, oh, cool. that we got for, for a record. Yeah. Yeah. So to be, to be fair and above board and honest yeah. about it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and you found your gear on eBay? Is that, is that right? <laughs> uh, yeah. All our stuff got stolen in St. Louis. Um, oh, a classic. It, yeah. So uh, we realized quickly that there was, you know, nobody was going to be looking for it. So we all started scouring the internet and stumbled upon the person who was selling all of our gear. And we reported it to the cops. They didn't do anything, whatever. 
but we actually we didn't realize it until um i tried i actually bought our old guitar lead guitar player todd farrow i we found his what he thought was a replacement for his guitar we bought it and he and uh we realized that it was his actual guitar that we had just bought back so i yeah so i i bought it on ebay and you know the text conversation is all happening while it's happening i'm like okay it's just spent the money we bought the guitar and 10 minutes later the money gets refunded and uh i go back and forth with the guy a little bit and he just uh, ended up shutting shutting me out and blocking me so we had friends trying to buy the gear from him but he ended up blocking all of them and uh, we were not wow. able to buy our gear back. <laughs> oh, that sucks. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's kind of crazy yeah. when you, uh, as a um, as a kid, like I always grew up with like the mentality that like, oh, if you have a problem, like if you get your shit stolen, you go to the cops and then the cops do something. But now that I'm an adult, I'm like, shit. I had a lot of friends that got their shit stolen and some of them knew who stole the, the, the shit and they, yeah. they, they told the cops and the cops are just like... Mm, it's gonna be hard <laughs> yeah and yeah. they never they yeah. never help so i'm like what 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 nothing. do you guys do like <laughs> nothing. <laughs> nothing good nothing good the cops hmm. yeah. Yeah. um <laughs> and uh, when did you st- to um when did you start to write songs for like a solo project uh that would have been around 2000 and what is it 21 so around 2009 i think somewhere around there 2009 uh shane the bass player in two cal was uh having a child he and his he and his partner were having their first child um so he needed to be home mm-hmm. and oh that makes sense uh, yeah, yeah so yeah so i i had some songs ready to go and uh or songs that i kind of stashed away that i didn't think would add, would fit with the band at the time and uh, so yeah i just went in with a friend and recorded those and that was one of the that was a really nice surprised because that solo record did way way better than i could have i was just doing it to to try to make something while while shane was at home and i i could tour on and uh yeah that solo record really did way way better than i could have than i would have uh, imagined at the time yeah and just was, kind of uh, opened up a whole new box the, the first one was when the stage lights go dim right to yeah 20, 2010 yeah. okay How, how do you write songs? <laughs> so for the first, uh, from starting when I was 15 until uh, about eight years ago, seven years ago, um, I was always, I came up with the music first and then would kind of like fit lyrics into that. And mm-hmm. then about five, about five years ago, I guess. Uh, yeah, about five years ago, um, I stumbled on a song uh, that's on the last two cow record called let the boys be girls oh that's the one I, that's the one i i thought yeah. i had in mind that you probably wrote the lyrics before the song yeah and i had never done that before that was the huh. first time and uh so like i put music to it and then i went out and played it and the first time i played it i was like wow this feels different this feels completely different from what i was doing before and not uh and i don't mean like sonically but just in singing it I was like, every line felt like razor sharp, every line. Like, whereas when I was trying before, when I was writing to fit into the music, I was like trying to come up with things that rhyme and uh, it never felt like I was telling the story Um, or at least the way, in the way that I wanted to. Whereas this felt like razor sharp, every line had a purpose and I fell in love with that. And I've been chasing that for the last five years. And it's, it's changed a lot of the songwriting process and songwriting in general for me. So now um, I try to always, I'm just always writing constantly. And then, uh, and then I'm always making music constantly, you know, storing it in the, the little demo section on your phone and everything. So, and then just kind of putting those pieces together where they fit in rather than trying to shove rhymes into certain patterns and stuff yeah so yeah that's that's exactly what i thought uh about the teenage years of the 21st century because when i heard the record i was like oh it's a like it's a lyrics focused album like it's like the, the the themes are very strong and like i feel 
like from the start of the album to the end it's kind of a it's it, it feels like you are talking to me about like what you, what's happening in the world what's happening in your life and i'm just like listening to it but the <laughs> and the music is good but the music is like in the background it's like it's it could have started right. with it could have started with like all right let me tell you a story i've got something to tell you and it's very important so please listen and it's like <laughs> yeah. all right let's go yeah, yeah. and you know that the process is constantly evolving so you know who knows where it'll be in a year or two years but for right now like that's the most exciting way to make make music to me um mm -hmm. yeah and to make make new songs so yeah kind of chasing that right now and maybe learning and i'm feel like i'm learning how to uh not be less folky but be more uh kind of music oriented at the same time um as the lyrics and music being finally like kind of separating in my head. I feel like I can focus more on both now yeah. rather than trying to fuse these things together. In let the boys be girls. Um, one of the first line in the songs, like we were born to fill a void inside our confused parents. Yeah. And <laughs> that, uh, that resonated a lot with me and I'm sorry. <laughs> and no, but uh, uh, well, okay. So it's gonna sound very personal. So if you're not, uh, if not, if you're not cool with this, I'm gonna cut it. But I'm wondering. I deal. I deal in the personal, man. I'm into it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So you you don't have kids, right? No, I do not. And, and you don't plan on having kids? No, no, do not. Okay. Cool. So that's okay. Perfect. So we can talk about this now. Because uh, yeah. when I saw, when I heard it, I was like, oh shit, we were born to, born to fill a void inside our confused parents. I was like, <laughs> oh man, I never saw it this way, but fuck, that's, that's <laughs> basically what's happening. I see my friends, like I'm 29 now, and I see friends around mm -hmm. me having more babies, and you probably had friends <laughs> more and more <laughs> than me that had kids. And you're like, I see a lot of them being like, you know what, I have a job. I have a wife, I have a house, <laughs> we have a dog, it's cool, we have a dog, but yeah. the next logical step is having a kid, and a lot of people are doing it because, like, it's like, oh, but that's what we've always been taught, and my uh, my partner right now, uh, she doesn't want to have a kid at the moment, and never, in fact, I think, uh, uh -huh. and that's, a, that's something that we've been discussing, and in my head, it's always been like, oh, yeah, someday we will have kids, because that's what we've always been told, but now I'm right. like, what about no <laughs> what about what about like yeah. and uh and yeah it's it's something like what's what are your what's your what's your thoughts uh, on that? i guess my i mean i i'm not and i'm not saying this from a this is a purely staying in my lane of what how i feel and where i've come from i'm not mm -hmm. judging anyone that 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 yeah, just that has children wants to do that cool do what you want to do um for me like being young was really hard, really hard being young. I did not enjoy growing up. I did not enjoy being a kid. It was just a really hard time. And um, so even so, even when I was young, it, I was like, I would never want to, I don't want any person to ever feel the way that I feel right now from the time mm -hmm. I was eight, 10 years old, you know, like I can't, I would never want to bring another person onto this earth to have to feel this, what living on earth feels like to me right now. Um, and I, I still feel that way, you know, um, it would, it would break my heart to think that I had brought a person onto this earth to, to feel the way that I feel waking up, especially right now, you know, like I don't wish that upon anybody, you know? Um, yeah. and, and maybe that, that may very well be a, a, I'm saying that from my personal standpoint, again, no judgments to anybody else, but, um, yeah, I, I don't want to create any pain, any more pain or sorrow, in this world there's a plenty and there are people that take joy in it and um yeah and i do not want to participate in that so uh you know i want to it's, it's, under here, yeah, it's understandable and uh but and, and you mentioned all of that but i sense that in this whole chaos in the album and i'm going to focus on teenage years of the 21st century because it's mm -hmm. the one that i've listened to a lot i feel cool. like there's a like it, there's an impending doom and it's like the world is such a fucking mess right now, but there's always yeah. this positive positivity that you get, that you transmit in your songs. 
So like in gentle, always I'm like, um, you mentioned, oh, wait, I got the lyrics there. Um, faith and spirituality are words human use to describe the loneliness that aches inside all of us. Uh, we find <laughs> things, we find things to fill that void in our guts, like music, religion, and drugs. Um, and, and I'm like, wow. Okay. That's makes me think like being gentle always is tough because there's like a lot of things and there's a lot there's a lot of things to make us angry and i and you mentioned that you were angry a lot so how how do you stay gentle always um i, I you know i can't you know it's it's like you, you just can't but i mean um music for me and writing in general is like therapy session to me you know and so no one can stay gentle always but like it's a constant reminder to myself to not get so beat down by this world that you turn in that you turn against everybody else, you know? And uh, especially right now, it's so easy to do and I have to fight it off constantly to not just go down the ni completely nihilistic rabbit hole and be like, fuck everyone else, you know, I'm just gonna do whatever. Um, because I, there's no real reason. I, I guess maybe it's just uh, doing something to keep yourself alive and keep driving, you know, and, and keep trying. And again, not wanting to create any more pain or sorrow than there already is in this world, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and it, I know I, I feel like I speak, I know some people don't like it. <laughs> not a lot of people are going to listen to me because it is very direct and, and can maybe sometimes be preachy. Um, I hope not, I hope not preachy because the whole point is I don't know shit. I don't know what I'm talking about, but saying these things out loud makes me feel better. Um, and going and singing them in this last 18 months, I've really realized like how much going out and playing these songs helps me mentally, you know, because uh, it's brutal not having that right now. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I don't know shit. I know that. Um, but I always try to find, I think there is hope in just having a good day or a good moment you know, or a nice conversation with somebody else. Like this is, this is really nice. And my partner Vanessa yeah. and I just had dinner and it was great. And that was, that's a beautiful thing. We can enjoy these little moments and not take them for granted, not take other people for granted. Mm -hmm. I think that like uh, with, with everything that's happening in the world, if we can kind of take the time to cherish uh, the good things and try to find the positive uh, things. Hold on tight to them. Yeah. That's all we have right now. It's like, uh, <laughs> I mean, if we, uh, if we would really engage on like the, the real problems and just focus a hundred percent of our lives on, on the problems we have as a society, uh, it would be draining. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think, for a flip side of that, like, uh, again, like stopping yourself and, and finding those moments where everything is, is at least okay. Like right yeah. now, right now in this moment, everything is okay. And, uh, that has to be kind of be enough. And we had rehearsal to this afternoon with Vanessa's band and it was great and it was exciting. And we came up, we put together the new song and it sounds great. And it's like, awesome. That's enough that's enough you know that's beauty and joy for two hours we got to do that and it felt great and that's a yeah yeah cool in uh in the song how to ride my bike my bike is it is it true that you haven't uh biked in, in like i don't know how many years no it's okay. probably more than, it's, it's probably more than 20 at this point like oh maybe okay. I, i rode a bike the last time i rode a bike was 10 years ago in a hotel hallway <laughs> yeah, and then, that, and that, was, that was the last time so i guess it's, it's been 10 years but actually riding a bike outside not since i was probably 14 or 12 wow. maybe and yeah. in, the, in this song you mentioned it um you maybe want to go back to school uh but like you you can't because it's it's expensive uh, yeah. but but you don't you don't mention what you would study do you know like have you ever thought of what you would study do you have any did you go to university or college or something like that no i i barely graduated from high school and i had had enough of of american schooling um and i didn't have any any itch to to continue that uh process so i just i started a band and hit the road and uh fell in love with reading and let that kind of do its thing but uh yeah. no i never had any want to go to college i think in the song it's more like 
that's speaking more general of people like so many people never have that opportunity going to college isn't an opportunity that's Mm -hmm. that's available to a lot of people and even to a lot of the people it's available to it puts them in debt for the rest of their lives so people have to make this decision of do i take the chance that maybe i'll get a better job and carry this debt around with me or it's really the only option i guess at this point the um, college like the the college fees in the, in America is kind of insane. It's, it's astronomical. I don't know how anybody does it. Yeah. It's like, I think here in Canada, it costs something, but it's nothing compared to the States. But from what I know in Europe, I think it's basically free to go to college there. It's just that there's a lot. (laughs) Yeah. There's a lot of tests for you to get in. So it's harder to get in schools, but like you don't need, pay or you don't need to pay that much money so which makes a lot of sense when you have like a, yeah. a country you kind of want the people to educate themselves about yeah. the stuff that they want to but yeah if they're not educated you will end up in a situation very much like our own that we are in right now <laughs> um that's a good link hmm, that's right <laughs> that makes sense people are scared of science because they were never um if, able to go to to school yeah that makes sense yeah yeah i mean yeah so when you don't know how anything works everything looks like a conspiracy theory because you don't know the process of anything you know like Uh yeah i don't know i'm not trying to shit on anyone but good grief (laughs) (laughs) uh in, in the song um a celebration I really, I really like this song. It's, uh, it feels like this one really feels like it's a text, like yeah. it's a, it's a poem that you wrote, a be- yeah. beautiful, beautiful poem, and then you were like, let's make a badass song with this one. Yeah. Uh, that, that might be one of my. That's definitely one of my favorites off that record. Yeah, I really like it. The line at the end when you say like, uh, so pop it, pop it, pop it, and uh, maybe yeah. I don't want to get rich or die trying. I was like, yeah. oh wow, okay, cool. Uh, <laughs> you, you mentioned. In this song, you mentioned like going to a Hilton hotel by the airport and paying like three hundred dollars, <laughs> yeah, uh, something yeah. like that. Is it a reference to something that I don't know, or is it it's, something that's? I I think this is universal. I think, but like on the radio, in any radio station, you always hear there's somebody coming through town. They're either religious or they're selling some kind of magic beans or potion, and they're always at the hotel out by the airport Saturday afternoon at three o'clock, like you know, pay your $100 and here's how we're going to help you get rich. And it's just something I've that's always on. I've never heard really? that before. Okay. So, so maybe that's a very American thing, but yeah, <laughs> always at the hotel out by the airport every Saturday, come and see us and you can be prosperous too. Wow. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's fucking wild. I know yeah. that was a thing. Okay. Wow. Okay. Um, well, have so- I got something to sell you then? <laughs> speaking of selling stuff uh i feel like it, there, there's a whole uh anti-capitalism vibe in in your music and uh, which i really dig but i'm wondering how do you feel about because you're not you're what's your what's your job right now do you, do you just play music or do you have something else on the side what do you uh the, right now the uh i'm just play. well i'm not playing music so i'm just yeah. here at home and kind of getting by but um i'm probably gonna have to like last or back in 2019, I did do some work with like a music promotion or uh, the promoter, a music promoter here in town where, but I just go and like load in the bands and like, okay, cool. Okay. I get you know, okay. in a corner. Do, so I do some stuff like that. Um, cool, cool. But right now that doesn't feel safe or great. And the pay is very little. So it's kind of like, do I take the chance, whatever, to go be in a huge crowd of people for, a little bit of money so yeah how, it's how do day to day around here. yeah <laughs> oh yes same here how, how do you feel about the whole um capitalistic um part of playing music like you need to like if you want to play shows you need to get at least a little bit of money to pay for the gas for it to play like there are expenses right. everywhere uh and I like there's you're selling CDs, you're selling T-shirts, you're selling records. Um, well, I think I think there's a big difference between like participating in that system on a small level, um, and the capitalism that we're talking that we're talking about is the fact that uh, Jeff Bezos is getting ready to be a trillionaire while 
there are people sleeping on the streets, you know, while people are being kicked out of their homes uh, left and right. Like neighborhoods are just like our neighborhood right now is kind of crashing around us. And um, it's hard to watch. So there is a, I think there's a really yeah. wide gap in between when, when you say capitalism, when I say capitalism, I mean like uh, having four people that have enough money that can take care of the entire world if they wanted to could feed and clothe and house the entire world and everybody else just gets fucking left out. Now I think there's a lot of gray area and middle ground in between a little band driving around in a, in a van selling CDs out of the back of our yep. vehicle, you know, uh, in the back of our used 2004 Econoline van, you know, um, there's, there's a lot of gray area in between there, you know, yeah. definitely. Yeah. <laughs> Um, do you plan like a specific moment for songwriting or like for writing lyrics or writing music? How do you schedule your time in terms of songwriting? Uh, I have no attention span. So I drink, I drink way too much espresso and I pace around the kitchen with the guitar on and I'll like tap things down on the computer and then I'll strum whatever. And, and it just kind of whirling dervish spinning around, trying to always have a few plates spinning um yeah yeah try to keep as many plates spinning as possible so like right now there's you know 30 google docs up in the thing that i can pick through and like tap around on and put stuff in and uh and then you know d uh, musical demos and playing into the phone and everything that i can constantly be uh uh working at you know so cool. yeah i used to, yeah i go through phases where i'm really good at sitting down um but right now is not one it's pretty hard to focus on anything for too long of a period of time in this chaos that we are existing within right now yeah <laughs> and and when you were with two cow garage were you writing as a band or were you coming with your own song and your own song uh, the other uh what's his name shane you said shane. Yeah. shane yeah yeah was he coming with his own songs and then you were like kind of building them together uh yeah so we it's usually always worked that either Shane or I come in with a, a finished song and then kind of put it through the machine that is two cow, you know, and we bounce mm -hmm. ideas around and everybody puts in their two cents and brings their parts and everything. And um, like we put out a song, we put out a new two cow song last week. Um, that's uh, one of Shane's called capitalism kills actually. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so yeah. So like in that, it, that's usually how it works. Like Shane brought the finished song and sent it to us. And then we all, you know, uh, learn it and put it together and put our parts together and stuff like that. Cool. <clears throat> I'm wondering in the song, uh, Filthy Cash, it's like a story. And I'm wondering if the story is true. Like, is it something that you've ex like until the end, I guess? Uh, yeah. Is there a border between Texas and New Mexico? Oh, uh, man, don't don't test me. I, don't, <laughs> I think so. <laughs> Maybe not. But oh, it's okay. a story. <laughs> Uh, oh. No, I think there is because that's the border that we got pulled in. Now you've got me worried. I'm gonna have to look it up and see. Texas, New Mexico. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I've only did that drive like once, and it was five years ago. But I don't remember getting pulled over there. So I guess. Uh, well, I'm. I'm pretty sure it was. Yeah, but yeah, uh, most of that's true. I'm trying to think through it now, but that one came really fast because it was true. Like everything pretty much lined up. Uh, I guess the only thing I changed was the, the going in to buy coffee and not having, and uh, them not accepting cash had actually happened like a year before, but. Wait, 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 so wait, wrapped, what, what, okay. So they did not accept cash. So what did they accept? Right. Yeah. It was a cash is cards only. Oh, okay. Cards okay, only. okay. Okay. I but, thought it was. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, okay, I understand. I thought you kind of the way I saw it was like you kind of arrived to this place after like seeing like one big portion of the United States. You arrive to this place and it's like here we don't accept cash. We just accept, but we don't accept cards either. We just right. like gotcha. it's something else. Gotcha. And then then it's like right, a dreamy right. place where like something right. happens. And I'm like, oh no, it, it was cards. Okay, that makes more sense. Yeah, that would have been way more. Your way would have been way more interesting. Yeah. <laughs> If I could have washed dishes or something. Yeah, exactly. That would be cool. Um, and in in the song you mentioned that like uh, the 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 border patrol guy says like, oh, it'd be cool if like they let us shoot some people like right. sometimes. 
and it it totally like resonated with me because a few a few years ago I was uh, running a show in in the bar in Montreal and the bouncer was a very big racist dude who was just mm -hmm. at the door with me because I was making people pay to get in for the show. And the dude right. was uh, hired by the bar and he was just telling me like the, those awful things all night long. And at the end, I just wanted to quit. I was just like, no, you know what? People are just going to come in for free. I don't want to hear this guy. And the right. worst thing, right. the worst thing he said was like a few black people came in and he, and he like, he tapped me on my shoulder and it was like, Hey, look at them. I'm can't, like, I'm watching them. If they do anything wrong, I'm going to beat the shit out of them. And I was like, uh, I mean, wh why? Like, and right. then, he, he, then he mentioned the N-word and I was like, can, can this fucking night be over? Right. <laughs> I totally feel like it was kind of the same thing where it's like someone in, yeah. uh, like a, with an authority figure was like, huh, if at least we could shoot some people. It's like, what? It's, yeah, yeah. It's That's a mindset that uh, exists so much in this world and in this country that, I, and I just don't know what the hell to do with it, but we obviously see it every day and uh, we've all dealt or as white, as white dudes, I've fucking dealt with it and, and seen it so much. And, uh, what, you know, aside from shouting them down or, or whatever, like somebody's, if somebody's itching to hurt someone, that, what do you do? What do you do with that? I mean, the psychopathy of that, like, what do you, what do you do? How do you handle yeah. that? I don't know. That's, that's I don't crazy. Know. To want to, like, to want to hurt someone for no other reason than just to want to hurt people. It's yeah. It's so weird. Yeah, yeah. And there's, yeah, whatever. I'm not trying to get off on whatever, but you know, a lot of people that sign up for jobs that they get to carry a gun. There's a reason they signed up for a job that gets to carry a gun. You know. And yep. it's not to, most of the time, it's not to, to go out and help, help somebody. <laughs> no, the gun, the whole gun culture is something I'm, uh, do, do you have a gun? You don't have guns, right? No. Oh, yeah. Jesus Christ. No. Cause the, okay, no. that's the most, that's the most surprising thing. Uh, when I go in, in the States, I'm always like, I'm, I'm having nice conversations like we're having. And at some point I'm like, oh wait, do you have a gun? And sometimes people are like, well, yeah, yeah. I'm like, what yeah. we were having a nice yeah. like, you seem like a nice person and and, and usually because i don't i don't understand it i i never grew up around guns and yeah. the only the <laughs> only people that i know who own guns are people that go um like they, they hunt so it's like right. it's self-defense <laughs> with guns it's like what what, what have you done yeah. to to defend yourself with a gun I've had a lot of awkward conversations with, with friends of mine that mm -hmm. I'll, you know, I'll accidentally go off on my anti-gun rant and they'll be like, well, I have one. I'm like, what the fuck for, what are you going to do with a gun? You know what I mean? You got to fucking shoot yourself in the foot, Barney Fife, knock it off, get rid of the goddamn gun. Like Jesus Christ. Anyway. I could rant about that all day long. Oh, like, yeah. The chances are like 98% more you're going to shoot yourself or someone you love rather than this fictitious intruder you think is going to come into your home and take your, your precious flat screen TV. And, and why, would someone, why, why would someone come like, like barge into your home and shoot you for no reason? Like, like, that's a pretty rare bird. Unless they're cops, but okay. But, but then... <laughs> then yeah. are you really going to shoot a cop like are you going to do yeah. that uh yeah yeah because like i don't know yeah we we play especially in america we have this fictitious especially white men have this fictitious superhero in their heads mm -hmm. and they've watched the movies and they see themselves as this they have this little thing in their heads that they think they're going to be a hero when the shit actually happens And that's just not how real life works. Real life violence is scary and happens in an instance, yeah. you know, and this, this idea that you're going to have this head about you, that you're going to, you know, go be the superhero is not how real life violence happens. Did, uh, did a friend really put a gun to your head? Because in the song, yeah. Death Defying Feats, it happened? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that, that one's, it, uh, the book, uh, 
my first novel came out back in 2018. It's I put it in there. I put that story, pretty much the full story in there too. Cause it's one of those things you didn't realize how messed up it was until it happened, but he had just gotten home from, I think his second tour in Iraq and his, his brain was pretty scrambled up by then. And yeah, it put the fucking thing to my head. And, was it loaded? Yeah. Uh, it turned out, I, I don't know. I don't know if he was just fucking with me, but uh, why, why was he doing that? Because he thought he was being funny, oh. you know, kid that I grew up with. And again, I maybe this is part of my gun thing, but like, uh, yeah, like, uh, how long has it been now? About eight years ago now, uh, probably three or four years after that happened, he ended up using that gun to fucking blow his brains out in his living room, you know? So, like, oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but it's watched it fucking happen. Or, like, you know, if, I have that story and like and again so the gun thing really i've always hated guns but now i'm just like the superhero fantasy bullshit that people think you know it's just like take a good look in the mirror and see what the truth is you know what i mean like mm-hmm. yeah anyway that's a way to get me fired up sorry <laughs> that's that's exactly what i'm what i'm uh, going for uh speaking of um great american failures uh in the, in the song emergency room <laughs> yeah yeah man oh man oh, all right who, who were you with in the emergency room if it's... Uh, with my with my partner vanessa okay. um yeah so and but, she's doing fine now so it's cool yeah yeah she's she's okay it was just the uh well she had she had a double ear infection in both of her ears so like her felt like her head was exploding oh, um you know it's three in the morning and just like that's that's a hard look at the United States right there. Like the emergency room at 3 a.m. is is real life shit. You know, people that are, they're really having a hard time and in the shit, you know what I mean? Um, of course, now the hospitals are just filled and, and coming apart. But um, even even then, that would have been three, two or three years ago. Now, uh, you know, there's a lot of life at the in the emergency room at 3 a.m., you know, yeah. <laughs> a lot I'm, of- I've always problems. wondered, because uh, here, if I, if I hurt myself, even just a little bit and I go to the hospital, they're going to ask me for my card and like my, my, I guess my insurance card. I don't even call it right. here, here in Quebec. We don't even call it the insurance card. We call it the, it, it translates to English because we say it in French, but it translates right. to like the, the sun card, like the, like the sun in the sky. Cause huh. there used to be a sun on, on it. Okay. So, yeah, yeah. so we call it the sun card and uh, yeah, it's just, So to me, it was never insurance. It was just like, oh yeah, it's the hospital card. You you go there and right. you get like shit. It's for it's free. It's normal. Is uh, it so you don't have to? Is it just like in your taxes? Just kind of. I, I guess. I guess it is. I guess. I guess now. I now that I'm an adult, <laughs> I guess <laughs> I pay. I pay for uh, something. Uh, what's it called? I guess I, I we have to pay for. I'm bad with this, but I guess you have to pay for for drugs, uh, which makes sense. Right, like you have to pay right. for like a drug insurance something yearly, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, yeah, health. I, I don't know. I've never noticed it. It's like, right. I don't know, and, and it's always it's been in my just culture. included yeah. somewhere. Yeah, in, yeah. in your, yeah, that seems like a pretty reasonable way to do it. You know, so, but I've always wondered, like, if someone show up and like they're they're gonna die at the hospital, are the doctors like? Oh no, you don't have insurance. You're gonna die, or like, no, no, we're gonna fix you, but then you're gonna be like, you're gonna go bankrupt. Well, as far as I understand, they they have to take you in, right, and they have to do w- within reasonable measures of what they can do to save your life. But beyond just saving your life, everything kind of changes there. So, like, say, okay, you're 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 going to live you're out of you know out of the icu and whatever you're just done and you mm-hmm. can leave you know um and then that medical debt if you can't pay that medical debt it will haunt you the rest of your life you can, can you go Or, bankrupt with medical debt yes you can't you can't okay, in the united I, states okay because i just I read a... the number too i can't think of what the number is yearly of the people that go out of go into bankruptcy because of medical debt because i had an argument with a, a friend recently who was like it's not he said like in the states it's not that bad like you can have like a lot of bills but you can never go bankrupt with medical bills i'm like i'm pretty sure that's wrong but like i don't know 
yeah, to, um, yeah, to yeah. Me, like if you have like a like big a big medical bill then what's what's happening you can just be like i cannot pay it and they're like oh that's cool no they're gonna ask for the money at some point yeah 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 and then they yeah yeah that debt gets sold off to somebody else after a certain amount of time and those people can chase you down for it and it gets sold again and that person can chase you down you know it's it's yeah. just and again that is the part of when we're talking about capitalism and stuff in this extreme whatever like letting people just rot you know uh-huh. um yeah there's got to be a, a better way than what is happening right now i can i can only imagine being like living in this kind of situation where you have like a lot of medical bills you have like your well you mentioned minimum wage a lot i think in, in this album and i'm like yeah. when when i see the minimum wage in the like in the whole country of the united states i'm like i think it's 750 it's like uh yeah yeah, yeah. 725 like in the u.s 725. <laughs> yeah like <laughs> yeah and, and obviously i know there are many 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 people that have it way worse than myself but i always try to just like talk about things through my my standpoint of like yeah. the job that i do occasionally work like if i have to pay if i can't find a free place to park like i'm almost losing money <laughs> every hour you know if i have to park at a meter or if i have to park in a parking lot like it's you know like nine ten dollars an hour i'm i'm working for nothing i'm working to pay to park you know that's insane um, yeah and if i uber you know or a taxi or whatever like even if i take the bus that means the first 45 minutes of me working is just to pay for the bus ride one way there you know like yeah at what point what's the you know that's that's why is it worth I, going I, in? yeah i understand uh, american criminals more than canadian criminals because of that because because if i was like in this in this whole thing where i have medical deaths and i cannot like i cannot see a light through this <laughs> darkness i would be like fuck it let's do crimes let's let's buy a gun yeah. let's do something let's do it right but but that's what and that's what this is created is is this level of capitalism that we're at just creates desperation it puts people in desperate situations yep. and in desperate situations you have you do desperate things because you're desperate you know and it creates mm. so much of that it's just yeah now we're at the part where we're gonna talk about creativity what is creativity to you like if you had to describe to someone who's never heard a word before and you're like oh like this is what creativity is how would you describe yeah i that's a good question i think it's i think it's different for every single person um because again like my partner vanessa she she draws and writes and paints and uh but she's all visual like she can she can uh visualize the entire thing before it happens you know and then she executes it and uh i think like Shane, the other, the other uh, songwriter in two cow and bass player. He, I think he's similar where he can see it. He can see the song and what needs to happen before he even like sits down to it, you know, like um, where me, I'm very like kind of a mess and piecing it all together as I go, you know? So yeah. I think creates, yeah. I, I don't want to put a, a box on it or a two square of a thing on it for anybody that listens uh to make them feel not like maybe they can't do it or they don't see it that way. Maybe somebody that doesn't create a bunch or something. Um, everybody should do it. I think just as a, as a human, it's a healthy, healthy thing to do. Even if you don't show it to anyone and not have to like try to make any money off of it or anything, but like there's this release and accomplishment that comes with through creative process, no matter what yours is. And I think it's a very personal thing and everybody uh, has to find their own, own way for it for Uh, for me, it's uh, kind of chaotic, but always to always be working, to always have have things uh, happening. And uh, every little guitar idea, every lyric idea, like give everything a chance and try to uh, edit later. You know, we can it's way easier to uh, like edit down the bad stuff, get rid of the bad stuff than it is to like create new stuff, you know. So let yourself have bad ideas and uh, write them down and follow through on them. That's creativity, yeah. I think. Cool. Turning off that little voice inside your head that tells you that you can't do that um, for a little bit and allow yourself to write poorly, paint poorly, 
like like let yourself do that don't judge yourself and, and just do it because you enjoy it very interesting uh do you think everyone is uh creative to a certain extent uh, what was that now uh do you think everyone is creative do you think everyone is like a creative potential Yes. Yeah, I, I do. And obviously, I, I, who knows who will ever know. But but yeah, I, I do think every single person has that in them. And it looks completely different in different ways. But like, you know, you talk to an auto auto mechanic, like, and look at their car, any look at any auto mechanics car, uh, old car that they've worked on and look at the ways they've been creative to keep it running. You know what I mean? Like, so it doesn't always look like a song or a painting or, you know, poetry or whatever, but uh, yeah, I do think everybody has the, has creativity in them. Um, but damn, does it get beat out of us from the time we are little that, you know, it, it's not, it's not for you, you know, yeah. it's for somebody else. Like, well, I think, I think you mentioned like you, the way you um, experience creativity is through chaos and and uh i think there's uh i think there's a there there needs to be some kind of chaos at, at all like in every creative process at some point hmm. because that's where you can like that's where you can kind of find a spark to to connect ideas together to make something creative to make something new and yeah as a society i feel like some people are reluctant of doing of going into something more creative because it's it's often synonym with chaos and it's like it's unsure what's going to happen and everything and the school the schools didn't i think it might be a little bit different now but the schools never taught us to be creative they taught us to learn stuff by heart and learn facts right. and uh yeah yeah and then so, yeah and then once you once they decided a teacher did, or somebody decided that you weren't good enough then they tried to push you off and veer into a different thing which is is tragic you know because it stomps stomps out that that uh we're so risk adverse you know and even with like <clears throat> social media at this point like everybody's so adverse to like every picture has to be perfect you know what i mean like you can't share the the fucked up ones You know, it's not okay to not yeah. look good. You know, like everything has to look perfect. Everything has to, which sucks all of the, the excitement out of it. Cause then it just becomes, becomes, uh, it stops being creative and starts just being the manufacturing, you know, then you're just manufacturing content. And that's, there's the difference between con, you know, content and, uh, art, you yeah. know, I definitely agree with that. Um, how can you, how do you stay creative when you're, you feel like you're, you're not having a good uh, a good day in terms of creativity yeah. do, you, do you have any tips that you that you're doing when you're like oh i need to like i don't know i need to go for a walk or i need to do this or that what do you do uh walking is great um again i know i said it before but i try to let give every little idea a chance you know like i have 15 little snippets of guitar playing on my phone right now that i can go to and you know all of them will probably end up getting thrown away. You know what I mean? Or maybe one of them will make it out, you know, and finally make it to being a song and get recorded and everything. But um, I, yeah, personally, like I have 40 Google docs of different things going off on different tangents. Um, and again, uh, allowing a big one for me is allowing myself to write poorly and write things that I know I'm never going to show anyone or whatever. And just the, for me, the, the fluid action of, tapping you know uh feels good to me and even just writing for 20 minutes um ab about nothing or just being pissed off about something and writing about it knowing that you're not trying to do anything with it you're not trying to you know it's not going to be a poem it's not going to be a song whatever it's just me ranting in that uh and turn it into kind of a meditative exercise i guess mm -hmm. yeah so that's how i try to always have enough things that I can just go, go back and check on and, and tap around on and, and constantly kind of be, be working on, um, and not, and allow yourself to do something poorly, allow your, write a bad song, write a bad song, record it on your phone and be like, Oh, that's no good. Yeah. And throw it away. <laughs> you know? there's a, yeah. There's a lot of, you need to take risks if you want to do something creative. I think it's, uh, it's, uh, it's you, you need to take risks. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, you, you do, but, um, 
you can just take that risk with yourself. Exactly. You, know? yeah, you don't, you and, don't need to show it to everyone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But the nice thing is, is when a risk pays off and like you can record it or you paint something or whatever, you can tell that it's like, Oh, that works. Like, mm-hmm. boom, that, that's great. You know? Yeah. And that's when, that's when that's part of the magic part of, of it Amazing. all. Well, thank you so much uh, for participating in this podcast. Do you have any future projects or what should people check out if they're listening right now? Uh, do you have any a new um, album or new? So it's all, we're trying to get it all kind of, yeah. Uh, so Two Cow put out a new song last week. Um, I've got a new single coming out solo. Um, and uh, Vanessa's band that I play guitar in and help write songs with, Call Me Rita, is recording. So all three of those acts are, are all going to have songs coming out uh, cool. pretty fluid here over the next probably six months. So um, yeah, pay attention to Micah Schnabel on Instagram and Two Cow and uh, yeah, call me Rita because um, all three of those projects are going to I like it. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. Is it, is it so, a new um, band? All three, uh, so yeah, I guess so. Uh, so Vanessa Speckman is my partner she is the lead uh, i don't want to say singer it's kind of poetry singing we're still kind of figuring out what it is we put out uh, a record but uh, the record is like 13 minutes it has eight different pieces on it um and it's on band on Bandcamp also also all the three acts are on Bandcamp or um, cool. follow us on instagram and you can figure out what we're all into and all three are having new stuff happening in the next month or so so yeah perfect and uh For the last word, I want I want to ask you something. So now that we're in 2021, the teenage years of the 21st century are over. So what do you yeah. wish? What do you wish for the 20s? <laughs> the 20s of the 21st <laughs> century. What, what do you uh, think will happen? Any any hopes? Um, <laughs> lots of hopes. I have lots of hopes. Like I'm trying I'm trying to get back to to hope because um, I have I've been absent of hope for the last at least the last uh, six months. So trying to find hope again, um, hoping that we can go back to touring in 2022. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, really really hoping for that. And uh, I don't know, I'm having a hard time finding any good i don't i don't think there's i think we're so in such different realities here in america the two sides yeah. of the coin we're all li- we're living in two different realities so uh i don't there's no i don't think there's a sort of short of somebody attacking planet earth or a being attacking planet earth i don't see anything that's going to bring us together um so it feels like we're delving into starting kicking off a civil war um i'm sure it's an The American, this American Civil War will be like sloppy, and slow, and just sad. Uh, but that's it. Feels like it's what we're we're kicking into right now. So I'm having a lot of trouble finding hope for the next few years. Um, but maybe the next generation will get a good kick. I don't know. Maybe we'll we'll <laughs> wish them all, we'll wish them all the best. Maybe try to yeah. To, I'm, go, to be I'm gentle. gonna yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna do my best with whatever little bit I can do to see if the next generation can have a better run fuck yeah <laughs> well thank you so much uh and um i hope to see you in montreal sooner than later uh me too can't wait to be back there thank you so much for having me all right you're welcome goodbye <laughs>